you have your Bibles, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, we'll start in verse 11 tonight. Uh, so if I get somebody to go ahead, y'all don't be bashful about reading now. Uh, verses 11, let's go ahead and go from 11 to the end of chapter 30. Somebody read that for me. Please. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, I denounce you this unto you this day, that you sh shall surely perish, and if you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passed over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life in the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Okay, so, you know, the thing that strikes me about this is there is a common thing, <coughs> Old Testament to the end. There's a common theme in the Word of God. And it's a theme that's, that's repeated over and over through, the, through each life, through the centuries, through the ages, plumbing up to the time of Christ, and even after the time of Christ till now. It's a common theme in the Bible. And the, the uh, first and greatest commandment that Christ gave us, uh, when they asked him what was the greatest commandment, Love the Lord our, our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength uh, was the first and greatest commandment. The second one he said was likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. These, these very themes are established in the time of Moses and the time of these writings. And I want you to, to know something. At the time, what we're reading tonight was being written at this time and had not been given to the, leaf, to the Levitical order to be used yet. Everything they were getting were coming, was coming from Moses and he was writing this stuff down. You're going to see here in a minute where God commanded him to write this in a book and give it to them. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so all of this stuff that, he, that we're reading right now had not been written at that time. Uh, I mean, it, it was written obviously because we're reading what was written. But at the time that, that this is taking place, he had not given it to anyone. He was telling them what God was telling him. And so he was writing these things down. When the Lord commanded him on Mount Sinai to write things down, 
he didn't mean just what we're talking about on the mountain. He had him writing everything down, and that's the way we have what the Israelites call the Korah today is the first five testaments of our Bible, uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And so the, the theme of that day is the same as the theme of this day, although we live in a, in a New Testament era where Christ has come, Christ has died, the Holy Spirit's been poured out, and we are to live changed lives. Now, what I want you to notice here is that was the same criteria for the children of Israel that they are to live changed lives. They are to live different lives. They are to live obedient lives. And he tells them what will happen to them if they don't. And he tells them what will happen to them if they do. That all is still in effect as we sit here tonight. Now, the world's trying to change all that and say the cursings and all that stuff don't apply to us no more. I, I saw a short video today uh, about uh, uh, that a preacher was preaching about the love of God. And then he, he used great scriptures like nothing shall ever separate you from the love of Those are things that are true. But it still does not negate our responsibility to live in obedience to God. Amen. It still does not take away the curses of disobedience and it, and it only applies to us in a good way if we are obedient to God. That's something that's set in motion here, and it's still in motion today. That part has never, ever, nor will it ever change. Amen? So the idea that we can get saved, that we can be filled with the Spirit, that we can experience the love of God, that we can go to heaven and not live like we're Christians is ludicrous according to the Word of God. It will not happen that way. I don't care what any preacher says. I don't care what any theologian says. I don't care what any scholar says. I'm telling you what the Word of God teaches us. And you can't pick and choose what part of the Bible you want to listen to, what part of the Bible you want to believe. You've got to take it every bit at face value. It means what it says, and it says what it means, and it's up to us to obey it or not. Amen? Amen. I just want to get that off my chest real quick. And so he says, that for this, this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. He wants us to know, and it's not today. Listen to me. The Bibles ain't supposed to lay on the coffee table. They're supposed to be here. They're supposed to be in our hearts. That's what he tells us. This, this word that I'm giving you is not far off. It's not in heaven. It's, it's uh, it, that you have to go up to heaven to bring it down. Uh, and look at this, that we may hear it and do it. And see, we like to hear it part, but we, do, we leave out the do it part. The do it part is, in, is, is, is actually is important. You can't do it if you don't know it, and you can't know it if you don't do it. And you know, the, the Bible tells us, James tells us, he said it's like the one that has faith and does not do the works. It's like a man that's, that goes and looks in a mirror. And he sees his image and he walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now that sounds weird to us, doesn't it? You know what he's saying? He's saying you're looking in the mirror. As long as you're looking in the mirror, you see what you look like. But when you walk away, you can't remember everything about yourself. And so he says in order to remember everything God's shown you to do and who you're supposed to be, you have to do those things. And as you do those things, you'll remember them. Amen? So part of our ability to remember the Word is to do the Word. Yeah. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> and this sounds crazy to the world today because that we have convinced ourselves that there's no works involved and there's not works involved in salvation. There's works involved because of salvation. 
And it's just as important as the, listen to me, we're, by grace you are saved by faith. James brings us, and I've been studying, y'all thought I've been studying in James. But James brings us to this great conclusion, there's two types of faith. <laughs> you know what they are? There's a live one and a dead one. The live one does. The dead one don't. Amen? You are not saved by dead faith. You're saved by life faith. And he said faith without works is dead. That's what dead faith is. You can't be saved by dead faith. Well, I, I, I was wanting to preach that, y'all, and I'm just done let it out of the bag. So, not in heaven. And he says, not in, he says, not beyond the sea that thou should say, who shall go to the sea and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. Now look at this. But the word is nigh unto thee in your mouth and in your heart that you may what? Do it. Do it. See, this theme, this theme never changes. But the, what I'm teaching, talking to you about in the book of James is the highlight of all this right here. After the Holy Spirit is poured out, the doing it is still in application today. Any comments on this? Because this is very, very important stuff. Because there's a common theme and a common teaching out there. You ain't got to go to church. You ain't got to do anything. All you got to do is tell people you believe in Christ Blah, 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 and you're good. You're a shoe-in. That is not scriptural. That is man-made religion, and it will not fly with God. That's taking the path of least resistance. That's it. Yeah. That's why David wrote in the psalm, Thy word have I hid where? In my heart. In my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Amen. Amen. So we need to remember this because this is something that's all through the Scripture. It does not change. This is the part of God that does not change. The law comes to fulfillment in Christ, and so we're saved by grace through faith, and, but the, 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 the work and the doing it part never does change. Never does. Christ taught it. Paul taught it. James taught it. Peter taught it. All of them taught it. you got to do it. Or it don't mean a thing. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. And we we got to teach it today. Not about, we need to stand up and proclaim it today. That you can't do it. You see people who come to the Lord say they just say their life, they come broken, they leave broke just as bad. Yeah. Or worse. Mm -hmm. Doing it gets your relationship better. Sir? Doing it, you build a better relationship. And doing it helps you remember what you're supposed to do. <laughs> have you ever been instructed on to do something and you didn't get to do it and then later on it comes time for you to do it and you think, no, what would they tell me? I can't. And you forget some of it. If they would have done it right after you were instructed to do it, you would have felt, and you, once you did it with your hands or you did it physically, now you got it. Mm -hmm. Amen? And that's what they're trying to tell us. It is faith without works is dead. He said you have to hear it and then you have to do it in order to remember. And he said, See, I've set before thee this day good, and, and uh, this verse 15, I've set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Now look at this. He said, I've set this in front of you. Mm -hmm. It's still that way. And what happens after it's set in front of you? You choose. You have to choose. And that's another common thing. Mm -hmm. 
You know what the invitation, I tell y'all this often, what's the invitation of God exists of? Consist of. Come. I've got it in front of you. Come, choose. And a lot of people would rather choose evil over good in life. Because they can't, they can't comprehend that living the good life under Christ is as good as living the pleasures of sin for a season. They can't get that down because they live worldly, carnally, and that's why we have to have the Spirit to show us spiritually the things of God and how much they mean to us and what they'll do for us. And so he says, I've sent this before thee this day, good uh, life and good and death and evil, so now you've got to choose. I command thee, verse 16, to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes, his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. Mm -hmm. So he gives them a choice with a promise. Yeah. And if you choose the wrong choice, you don't get the promise. Right. Is that still an application today? The world says, and preachers of the world says, no. Yeah. You get the promise no matter what you do. That's a lie from hell. That's yeah. the devil's word. That's the devil speaking there. That, that's the devil's gospel. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they will pound the pulpit saying you're not saved by words. And you're not. It's a true statement. But if you're saved, you're going to work. You better. Yeah. Or you, or your, or your claim of salvation don't mean much. And I think we're dealing with a great number of people who have this confusion in their hearts and lives now. Amen? A great number of people. Oh, yep. Wouldn't a lot of that fall back on the preacher also? Absolutely. Most of the time, all you got to do is come forward and say, I believe in the Lord, I'm saved. No matter, and in their eyes, whatever denomination they may be coming from also, they want to, I mean, what they've been taught, they are saved. They have been saved. But yet, most of the time, all you got to do is come forward, shake the preacher's hand, and say, I want to join the church, and the church accepts them. That's right. You don't really talk to them but, and find out about a really saving experience. But, but Sam, you can't find all that out in one sit-down. You can't find that out in a two-week period of time. That's something that's got to be preached, and it's, it's evident over time. It's not something that you deny people that. They have to make that choice themselves, and then it's up to them to live that choice. And it's up to us to teach them what to live and how to live it. And for us to be on display to see how we live it. That's a period of time. So I've always said this. Salvation, is, uh, your salvation with the Lord is a beginning point. Amen. Now you've lived your salvation. And you have to live that to when? Till you die or He comes and gets you. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. And, and, it's, and it's a work of, of, uh, of victories and it's a work of failures. And when we have failed people, we let them by, get by with failing and tell them that there's no consequence to their yielding to sin and that they don't have to do nothing in order to, to, still, to be saved. And we've left out confession. We've left out, we've left out repentance. We've left out uh, the blood of Christ. A lot of churches don't even like to preach the blood. It's grody. It's nasty. Mm -hmm. My goodness. The problem is we got a whole bunch of... Well, Christians out there, they don't know what's in this. They're not. They're listening they to the voices of men, not studying the Word of God. Yep. That's exactly what's going on. 
And you can pound and preach and pound and preach, study, 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 read. And listen, studying ain't just reading. Putting it in practice. That's right. Studying is understanding what you need to do than doing it. Amen. That's what that's all about. It's like the first time we witness. I don't, I'm sure everybody in here, I remember the first time a guy asked me about the Lord. Man, I was trying to tell him something. I couldn't, a word wouldn't even come into my mind. And I, I felt really bad. You know, and, and that was the very first time. Well, after about the fifth or sixth witness, <coughs> that you, you, you kind of understood what you needed to say and got started walking down the life of Christ and what he did for you and him dying and and of the resurrection and the things of that nature. But when you first do it, I mean decades ago, because we're all up, and man, that's embarrassing. Because they're expecting you to tell them something. And and if you don't, you're a failure. And you're failing in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. And you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. How many of you, since you got saved, has lived consistently in the will of God? How many? How many of us here were saved and then backslid for a period of time in our lives? Look at here. Everybody's raising their hand. So that's why I don't get to judge people because I'm a firm believer that the backslidden person before took like y'all just witnessed that. You raise your hands. What happened to you? What what changed you from a backslider back to believing in God and going to church and doing the things that God wanted you to do? What changed you? Conviction. Conviction. And and that's what I look for in a person. When a person says, "Well, they're not saved. They're not living like that." And I have talked to several people that told me, and I talked to one just the other day. Don't even come to church here. And he told me then that he was convicted because he wasn't living for the Lord. I said, that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why I preach to y'all. Conviction yeah. is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Because it tells me that there's somebody in you that's saying you ain't doing right. Mm -hmm. And that's called the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you're grieving the Holy Spirit by backsliding. I grieved the Holy Spirit. I, your preacher was backslidden after salvation for five years. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to church. I didn't set my foot in the door of a church for five years. I went back to cussing, I went back to drinking, I went back to smoking, I went back to all those things that I had quit and been delivered from. Mm -hmm. And went right straight back to them like the dog back to the vomit. Mm -hmm. But you know what? When I laid my head down at night, there was not a night that I laid my head down that the Spirit didn't jump on me and convict me and I lay there and argue with the Lord. That's the difference between the one who was saved and backslides and the one who was said they were saved and never were. They don't feel that. They justify themselves. They continue as was. And yet they believe and they believe they're saved. And they need to know that's wrong and they're not. Except the Holy Spirit abides in you, you're not saved. And you know, there's a group of people that preach when you 
backslide, the Holy Spirit just whoop, leaves you. Well, what convicts you then? Yeah. <laughs> what is it that when you lay down at night, gets on top of your chest and goes, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What is it? Who is it that starts trying to reason with you? You know what to do. Do it. Yeah. What is that? Spirit. Well, if he's doing, he ain't left it. He's still there. That's right. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. Jesus made us a promise. He said, I will never leave you and I won't forsake you. That's what he promises to the one who is really saved. And there's people who are really saved and there's people that ain't saved. That think they are, say they are, and why they'd want to do that, but the Bible's full of them. Yeah, that person is a miserable person. Oh, yeah. You know, that every day, every and, battle, and, and they have to hide. Mm -hmm. They hide. Mm -hmm. They hide their sin from who? The church folks. Mm -hmm. Oh, we don't want church folks find out what we do. <laughs> tell the kid, don't you tell the brother Gary what y'all been, what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. They're hiding. Mm -hmm. In shame. But not conviction. Amen. We, I'm telling you, this thing, it, it, it's a simplicity, but there's a complication to go with it because of the misteaching and the mispreaching and the misidentification of what salvation is and who salvation involves. Salvation is simple. It involves you and God. No one else. No middleman. No. And what is salvation? When, he, when you repent and He puts the Holy Spirit in you, that's salvation. Amen. And then you don't walk by sight no more. You walk in faith. Amen. And you do what you know to do. <coughs> now just a, just a, a couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon and, and I said, do what you already know to do. Don't, don't say, what am I supposed to do? Do what you know to do. Remember what that word? Simple. <coughs> you pray. <coughs> you study. <coughs> You do good works. What else? Go to church. You go to church. <coughs> you confess and repent of your sin because you're still a sinner. Yep. <laughs> Jesus said that he that has no sin needs no repentance. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> only him. He's the only one. That's what that means. The rest of us need repentance. And that's what that invitation every Sunday is all about. Come, confess, repent, or come and be saved. That's what it's all about. Come and ask, come and find, come and seek. It's all about that. And it's all involved in a person. And you know what? We'd not rather ask a person to tell us openly with our mouths than we had to let God teach us spiritually. that's a lot harder than letting another person tell you. And then when we let another person be our spirit, our Holy Spirit, we open the door to Satan coming in with the wrong advice. All the issues we face is in this Word. And it's got to do with matters of the heart. Yeah. i got to move on. We ain't never going to finish Deuteronomy. And he says, so he said, uh, uh, so keep these commandments that thou may do them. If thine heart turn away so that thou will not hear, 
This is verse 17. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce you. Well, and in verse, look at verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, look at God's advice. Choose life. Mm -hmm. That both thou and thy seed may live. Yeah. You know what the Bible says? The soul that sinneth, what's going to happen to it? It shall die. Mm. And then he repeats, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life. Eternal life only comes through him. No one else, nowhere else. Mm. This is strong stuff right here for Old Testament, isn't it? And folks tell you, oh, you don't need to study that. No wonder they don't want you to study this. Did you know what we're studying right now from Genesis to Deuteronomy is the basis of all our New Testament Christianity? It's the basis of all of it. The whole basis of what we are and who we are in Christ Jesus today is here. This is what he became. This is what he fulfilled. This is who he was. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know how he was able to fulfill the law? He became the law. Mm -hmm. And he overcame the law. He's taught, Paul told, taught us, he understood this. Paul taught us that if you, if you mess up one point of the law, you're guilty of all the law. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't break any points of the law. He fulfilled them. He accomplished them. He lived sinless in them. And that's why the Word became flesh. He became the Word for us. Amen? Amen. You know, we have trouble understanding that because we want to put God on an earthly level. We want to make God into a man. <clears throat> and Jesus was a man. But He was also God. And He had a purpose that He was to fulfill. He had a mission that He had to accomplish. And he only lived that short period of time on this earth. He was a man that we're, we're celebrating his birth right now. He was born of a woman. He was not, no man took part in it. That's why he was not born in sin, the lust of the heart, shaping in iniquity. He wasn't none of that. But he was still a man. He bled. And he came to bleed. So he had to be a man to bleed. He had to be a man to die because God can't die. <coughs> Think about it. He had to be a man to die. All right, let's move on. Somebody read for me uh, the first six verses of chapter 31. I will do that. Thank you. And Moses went and spake, spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. 
also the Lord has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee. And thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord has said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did Sion and all the kings of the Amorites unto the land of them who he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according unto the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good accord, of good courage. Fear not, not be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is, it is that doeth go unto thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Right there is the first thing. You yeah. see that? <laughs> That's a hint <laughs> from our New Testament. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Jesus made that same promise. Uh, so we see that, <coughs> how old Moses say he is? He's 120 years old. And he said, I can't go with you. He wants to go. Matter of fact, here prior to this, he has asked the Lord to allow him to go. Remember what the Lord allowed him to do? Go up on the mountain and look at it. You ain't going over there. And he tells us here that he did because he disobeyed the Lord. Thou shalt not go over the Jordan uh, because the Lord said that because he disobeyed God. And so uh, he said, but, I'm, but Joshua, he shall go over before thee as the Lord hath said. He let them know he's beginning to, to tell them who Joshua is. And before this chapter is over with, uh, he, he shows them, God shows them that he has chosen Joshua for himself. And uh, verse 5, and the Lord shall give them up before your face. He was wanting them to know that uh, the Lord is going to fight. He's going to go ahead of them. He's going to have them subdued and ready, and uh, and 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 he, they're going to be able to win. God, God is, is can put a fear in people's hearts for anybody He wants to. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. That's why I tell people when the Lord lays a person on your heart to contact or go see, He's already gone ahead of you before that. Amen. He He's got them prepared for you to see. You may not get the results you want, but it's going to show God something. Amen? Amen. And a lot of times, what, what we do, we may not see the end result of what God's trying to do with that person. And Because, listen to me, it, it still comes down to they have to choose. You don't get to choose for them. They have to still choose. When it comes to them, they have to choose. We have to do like A.D. used to say plant the seed. That's it. Yeah. Plant it. Yeah, plant it and nurse it. Yeah. All right, so the Lord shall, shall go before you. Now look at verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. The Lord thy God, he it is that go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now I want you to notice uh, prior to that in verse 4, he mentioned Og. You know who Og was? He was one of the, of the remnant of the, of the giants. And he's the one that described his bed was 14 feet long and 6 feet wide. He was a big man. Yeah. And the Lord had already delivered them to him. Why? 
the purpose in the Lord delivering a giant, giant to them? But before this time, because the reason they wandered forty years in the wilderness is because they were afraid of giants. <laughs> And he let them know through Og that they ain't as tough as they think they are. And I'm with you. Okay? All right, somebody read for me verses 7 through 13. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and have a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee, and he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And Moses wrote this law, and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as ye live in the land where ye go over Jordan to possess it. Okay, so we, we see here that uh, Moses has called Joshua in front of all of them. He's already let them know that Joshua was going be the one that would lead them because he had explained to them that the uh, Lord would not allow him to go with them. So he, he purposefully brings Joshua to his side and, uh, and, and, and gives Joshua a, a, uh, a uh, he encourages Joshua to lead this people and uh, that they, they would, and, and he said, you're gonna help them or cause them to inherit what the Lord has promised them. And then in verse eight, and the Lord, he it is that doth go where? Before you. Amen. We sing a song. I don't know if we sing it much here or not, but it's called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Y'all know that song? Amen. This is what it's talking about. This Does this change? Is this, does this change today? Has it stopped? You, you can't follow Jesus without him being in front of you. Amen. Amen. Just the fact that he that we follow him means he's in front of you. He before you face something, he's already walked right through it. Amen. <laughs> David said, "I won't fear any evil because you're with me." And not only that, he walked through it before David ever got to it. He, he prepared the way. So what did, what did David write about if he wound up following the, the one he was following? He went the same path he did right through it. Was it easy? Oh, it's still spooky. Peter encountered the same thing when he stepped out of the boat on the water. What about the Red Sea? 
Look at the red. Yeah, the Red Sea when it was parted. They followed the Lord. Egypt couldn't do that because they weren't following the Lord. They were following Israel. And they died there. But the ones who were following God went across. Same ocean, same trail, different outcomes. And that's still an application today and with the world and with Christian people. We're following the Lord. It's going to, our outcome is going to be way different from theirs. As long as we follow Him. Amen. And so he said, He it is that that doth go before thee. Now look at this, verse 9. And Moses wrote this law. Now he's written it down, and, and uh, he's penned it, and he, he gives it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. This is the first uh, record that Moses had finished his book and handed it. To the Levites because they were the one that was going to teach it and perform it okay <clears throat> and then Moses commanded them saying at the end of every seven years in the solemnity of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in this place which he will choose Thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Now, wouldn't that be something if that was still in application today? Every seven years, we had to assemble and, and somebody had to read to you all of these laws. Take a while, wouldn't it? I mean, how long how long have we been going over this on Wednesday night? Long time. And we're not going to stop till we get through, and then we're going into John. But anyway, and I understand, I told y'all this, uh, they understand y'all Sunday schools in John. I think the Lord knows something here. And uh, so anyway, he, uh, so every seven years is the year of uh, Jubilee, what the year, and you go, I want this read, and I want them to hear the law. Hearing. Hearing. It's all through the scripture. Hear, hear, hear. What Jesus say? They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. Like he's saying, every seven years you need to reboot. <laughs> That's what it sounded like, isn't it? You need to rediscover this. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, it kind of goes along with what, with what I, I tell people. You, you need to you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over. You need to ask the Lord to fill you, give you the power, give you more power. Amen. Life happens, isn't it? Sometimes it's tough. We have failures, victories, ups, downs, sickness, death, arguments, hanging alone. We, we say stupid things, get ourselves in trouble. <clears throat> Happens to me all the time. <laughs> I stay in trouble with somebody all the time, and I feel awful about it. And it's usually my fault. And the price you have to pay for that is, is awful sometimes. But verse 12, at the very end, he said, uh, well, I'll just read, Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn, and that they may fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. So now he gives us the, the rationale behind doing 
There's a, we do it for a reason because we, <laughs> pardon? Why do we do it according to the scripture? Why do we do the doing? We've heard it. Okay, we've heard it. We've learned it. And we fear the Lord. Fear. Those three things. That's why we do the doing. <coughs> and the world teaches us what? You don't have to be afraid of the Lord. The scripture don't teach that. The scripture tells us we better fear the Lord. Amen. Bible says the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and you say, well, he don't want us obeying him because we're scared of him. Yes, he does. How, how many of you dadas out there, why did you spank your kids? You wanted them to fear you. You want them to love you because after you spanked them, you wanted to let them know you did it because you love them, and we all need to do that. But my daddy, when he pulled that belt off, I knew there was something bad that happened to me. And a lot of times before I did wrong, I'd think about that. And I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it. It didn't happen sometimes, but sometimes good sense did kick in. And I realized I wasn't going to get by with something, and I don't want to go through that. And so that's what fearing the Lord is, because the Lord punishes those who disobey Him. And you need to fear that about God. And there's a lot of good people, good Christian people, that are in disobedience to the will of God. They've got unrepented sin in their lives. They've got unconfessed sin in their lives. And they try to walk around like everything's la di da da The Lord don't let that happen because... <laughs> he, he punishes those who sin against him. He chastises them. Amen? Now what's chastising them? That's giving you a spanking until you do right. And we walk around and say, what is the world going on with me right now? You need to go find you an altar and do some confession and repentance. You ain't got to come tell me. You've got a high priest in glory you get to talk to. Praise God. And he'll listen to you. He already knows what your issues are. Go ahead and tell him. And get forgiveness. Not only get forgiveness, sometimes we need deliverance too. Okay? I, I'm just about through here. We're going we're gonna to stop right here. And, and he says then, he said, to observe and to do all the words of this law, verse 13 now, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land where you go over Jordan to possess it. So it's important that we hand down what we know about God to our children. Amen. How else are they going to know? You know what's wrong in our schools and in homes today? A lot of the issues in homes today is that they've let somebody beside themselves teach their children. We've gone into the two workforce. Mom and dad both got to work. I understand, all of us understand that. So we've turned our children over to televisions, radios, electronic games, computers, cell phones, where they have access to anything they want. And then we used to be able to kind of trust the schools, not no more. 
and I'm not belittling our teachers as remember during this testing. The federal government's requirements for teachers now is absolutely ludicrous, sick, and evil. Yeah. They're teaching them things in school, taking away power from the parents. We've allowed that to happen. I would love to, what would happen if all the churches could quit arguing about who's right and who's wrong for one time and all come together and say, you know what? We can pool our finances. We can pool our sources. We got qualified teachers going to all of our churches. Why can't we build a school? Why can't we teach? Why can't we teach them what we know that they need to know? And keep doctrine of, 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 of who you are out of it. Teach them the word. Just the word. Amen? Don't teach denomination. Don't teach doctrine of denomination. It's divisive. Mm -hmm. And everybody says, well, we got a good reason to believe it that way. No, you don't. God does not give you a reason to divide yourself. Never will he ever do that. It's the stubbornness of men who have caused that because they can't come together and re reason things out. <coughs> we all stand and say, well, I'm right and you're wrong, and that's the end of it. That's the end of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be a Methodist, you can be a Baptist. I don't care. We stand over here and you're wrong. That's what's happened to the church yeah. of the living God. And we've got all of the satanic issues going on around us and we can't put our differences aside long enough to fight Satan away from our children. God help us. God help us. Anyway, any comments? Okay. Verse 14 here is going to happen on the 28th. 29? 8, 21. What's 7 plus 21? We'll be 28. 28. I love it when she's wrong. I'm not too late. I may not get no supper tonight. Anyway, uh, I love y'all. Thank you for being here. Watch the weather. Study the Word. These, these things are good. These verses are filled with great wisdom encouragement and instruction that is still in effect today. And I would to God that this place would just fill up on Wednesday night and hear the instruction of God. That we could study, come and study His Word together and learn it together. But we live in a society that's so busy, and I understand that. Y'all, we're going to have a, our next service is going to be Sunday morning at Christmas. Christmas morning. Amen. What a time to be in the, in the house of God. What a time to, to come together and worship the birth of our Savior, the birth of our King, and just come together and, and let Him love us and love Him and love one another. I hope you can be here. I've already received lots of uh, calls from people saying, well, we're just not going to be able to make it. I understand that. I understand that completely. But, you know, somebody made a post on Facebook, I think it was Troy, Brother Troy and maybe some others that this only happens once the next time this will happen will be 11 years from now listen to me 
There may be a lot of people sitting in this room right now that won't even be here when this happens again. We don't like to think that way, do we? Don't miss this opportunity to be in the house of God and worship together on this beautiful occasion. I love y'all. We just stand. <laughs> Jim, you're going to be okay. All of us in here feel your pain, brother. A little more nervous. I'll work through it. <laughs> we feel your pain. The faith that everyone owns. Amen. Brother James Hill, will you dismiss us, please? Father God, we thank you for the opportunity there tonight to be back in that house, our Lord. We thank you for the ones that could come in and hear your word, our Lord. Thank you for uh, thank you for being the reason of the season, our Lord. Just be with us all as we, we go through this time, our Lord, that, that uh, we'd all do it in a manner of pleasing to you, our Lord, and, and spread your word, our Lord. Just be with us as we travel home, our Bring us back next time you uh, the door is open there. He signs the next year or not.